Oi, you lot, you listen to Garage Hammer, episode 199. On tonight's episode, the fat manling is loving the narrative. And the smart manling really doesn't pay attention to the narrative, so this this will be interesting. So shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the garage, you tools, for the next two hours or thereabouts. We will do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you narrative gaming, Nagashin narrative gaming, and is that even possible? I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Hollywood Steve, bringing you songs about the Yacht Rock. No? You've never seen Yacht Rock? I'm going to recommend this. After we're done with the show tonight, I want you to go to YouTube. Find Yacht Rock. It's only 12 episodes. you got to at least watch the first couple. They're only uh-huh. like 5, 10 minutes a piece. These sure. Are, they're older videos, um, and it's these guys who made this. <laughs> you know, like when you watch those TV shows and they do like the dramatic reenactments? Um, he's doing reenactments of stories about how different Yacht Rock-themed 70s songs came to be. And all these guys are pretending to be like... The Doobie Brothers and the, the Steely Dan, and then like like Hall and Oates show up as the villains because they're making fun of their 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 crummy yacht rock. It's just hysterical. You've never heard okay. of this? No. Christopher and I were watching it. We were forcing Harrison to watch it, and he doesn't like that kind of music, so he was getting upset. When you say yacht rock, are we talking like Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran, where they're on a yacht? No, no, no. Yacht rock was like from 1976 to about 83, and you're talking about smooth music. Like, you know, like Loggins, uh, Loggins and Messina stuff, or the Doobies, or that, you know, like the Doobie Brothers, you know. Um, and that sounds like. Absolutely nothing believes. I would listen to. Oh, it's oh, it's no, it's 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 amazingly horribly just dated music. But the videos are hysterical when they try to portray these guys coming up with these. Songs. Christopher Cross shows up singing uh, "Sailing," you know. <laughs> Takes me no, I don't know to where I'm going. Uh, they get the only Loggins I know is like Kenny. Yeah, Kenny Loggins from Loggins and Messina. When he, before he went solo in the very first episode, he'd already gone solo, and and Messina was like sitting in the alley drinking and upset. Seriously, you 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 need to see it. It's it's hysterical. You might not uh-huh. appreciate it. You're a little younger, maybe, than can appreciate it. But I know there's listeners out there, and they haven't got a lunch gun, so there's some stuff that might be fun to do. And I'm telling you. If if you've if you've appreciated my off the wall picks before, this might be one for you. Sure. Why don't we take a minute to thank the sponsors? <laughs> Please, God. All right. So uh, we should, we definitely need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, uh, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc, Chaos Orc Superstore. Oh yeah. So there's my Michael McDonald for you. With a mouthful of whisper water. The eye roll was amazing. Uh, six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basing needs. All your base Lin- needs. Sorry. Oh, I may have to do Michael McDonald throughout the show at this point. Jesus. <laughs> Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. And Wakanda. Not that Wakanda. And not that Lindsay. 
Good. And Black Dog Hobby and Games in Love's Park. Hobby Dog Games. <laughs> Hobby Dog. What is Michael McDonald, you're screwing up the show. Um, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about Black Dog Hobby and yeah, Games? Yeah, probably should. Uh, so Black Dog <laughs> Hobby and Game in beautiful Love's Park, Illinois, is the place to be for gamers. Whether you like miniature games, card games, board games, or RPGs, Black Dog has it all. Yes, they do. Check out our uh, Tuesday night RPGs, Wednesday night Modern Magic, Thursday night board games, Friday night AOS, and Saturday Warhammer. Find us on Facebook at Black Dog Hobby and Game, and check out our game meetup group linked on our Facebook page. Um, and I believe that they're going to start rotating in uh, Warhammer Champions into the rotation. Oh, see, that's a fun game. Yes, it is. That is a stupid fun game that I uh, I got. I oh man, uh, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shall. Yes, and um, oh, we should thank the Patreon sponsors. Our sponsors over at Patreon dot com slash Garage Hammer, the one percent that keep this show afloat, that keep it going, that keep it ever expanding. Um, I want to thank you, each and every one of you, but especially want to thank our associate producers, Phil Elliott and Dwight Sims, and our executive producer, Nick Nefliotis. Uh I also want a chance to thank our newest sponsor. We've got two new sponsors, Alex. Really? Matthew Scholes and Chris Aldersley. Oh, no, Aldersey. Chris Aldersey? Aldersey? I think it's Aldersey. Chris Aldersey. I'm going with Aldersey. Uh, also, remember uh, Keir Etherton, which I don't... But I couldn't didn't know what the pronunciation deal was. Yeah, yeah, I was on the website and it says Milo Etherton. So either I was completely cross-eyed, or I was typing and just hit every wrong key. Keir Etherton is actually Milo Etherton. So just don't even try to figure out how that got that way. His name is Milo. So. um yeah, so I just wanted to make that correction. And I want to thank every one of you who are make who are part of the 1% and make everything we do possible. If you are interested in helping out the show and possibly becoming a Garage Hammer Patreon sponsor, check it out. Uh, please go to the Patreon page. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Uh, hey, if you're already a patron, whether you're following the page or not, listen, go to the Patreon page and check your messages. If you are a patron or were a patron, I literally sent a message to everybody who is or was a patron. Um, I had like a little mini survey there that I wanted to ask the patrons some stuff about. So do check it out, okay? Because um, you'd be really be helping me out if you check your messages over there and see what's going on. So, um, yeah, that's that's that for that. Uh, what's next on the agenda here? Ooh, voicemail! Is it voicemail? We got the voicemail! And, uh... Dave. <laughs> between Scooby-Doo... Scooby-Doo and this, you are making this very, very difficult for me. I'm gonna stop by the commercial break. I always do. Thank God. All right. <laughs> so, but fortunately, we do have voicemail. Yes, it is. And one wow. seven five seven GH show six. That's one seven five seven GH show six. Internet most international callers can dial zero zero one seven five seven GH show six. Um, call any time. We're ready for your call. Twenty four hours a day. Um, okay, so we got two new voicemails from the same dude. Um, huh. 
His name is Raphael from from Los Angeles. Now, I'm telling you this because there's no voicemail, really. He called, and it, like, cut him off, like, right as he started talking. Like, he's like, hey, this is... And he was actually cool because he, like, gave me a little nickname and stuff. It was nice. Uh, Hold on. Let me bring this up because uh, I know it's here. At least I can find the... Uh, what he, the translation for at least what he said. Uh, Google Voice. Come on, where are you at? There we are. And so he comes in and he's like, hey, what's up, Alex and Dave, a.k.a. Did he call me Douglas Bubble Trousers? Douglas Bubble Trousers. Raphael calling from Los Angeles. Want to call and thank you guys for an excellent show. Every time I hit like a, you know, a hobby low, you, and then boom, it cut off. So then he calls back and he says, hey, what up, Alex and Dave, a.k.a. Snake Pliskin. This is Raphael from Los Angeles. I'm going to give this one shot one more time. I want to thank you guys for helping me get out of my hobby ruts. And then it sounded like he was in the car and then someone went, whoa, and then the, and then it went dead again. So hopefully hope he, he's okay. Hopefully he's okay. Um, and thank you for the call. Uh, it yeah, was, I mean, it was it was starting out to be quite a nice voicemail, uh, and then it cut off. But I I did I wanted to at least acknowledge. Um, I'm not playing our other voicemail because the other voicemail we got was a contest entry for the contest for episode 200. We have a contest for episode 200. We do, and we will talk about that after our commercial break, which we're going to go on now, and then we're going to come back, and by then I should have. My yacht rock under control. Is there a mouse in the house? That's not coming from my end. I thought that was your end. That's weird. Great. There's a ghost in the radio. There's a ghost in the machine. A ghost in the shell. Now that's, dude, that's totally coming from your end. All right. We'll figure it out. We'll figure that noise out, and then we'll be back. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back with the Garage Hammer News Network. Flash Extra, episode 200 uh, is coming down the pike. Actually, it's next episode. So we got this contest, and it's like, hey, write in or email in or call in or send something. Just something talking about what you really like about the show. If you got a favorite moment or a favorite thing or just whatever, just just 
do something about what you like about the show. It's been around for 200 episodes next uh, next month. And uh, we've got exactly two entries so far. And considering we've got exactly two prizes to give away, so far everybody's a winner. Mm-hmm. But there's still time. There's still time to enter before episode 200. So if you'd like to send in uh, an entry... Um, the the odds are still pretty good that you could win something from the the crazy depths of the prize closet. It won't be it won't be Dreadfleet, <laughs> but uh, there's lots of other stuff in there. So uh, just would you dare say that the odds are in their favor? Uh, you could say the odds are in your favor uh, wow. right now. Uh, you could say that. Um, I don't know why you'd want to say that. Mm, but I don't know. You could, you could, you could Hunger Games it on up if that's what you wanted to do. I've never even seen it or read really? the books. Oh yeah, I read the books and uh, I watched the movie. I saw, I did see the movie. I wasn't I wasn't gonna watch all the movies, but like the rest of the family wanted to see them, and they were okay. They weren't great. Yeah, I just know what I see from the commercials. So yeah, the, in the future, there's doesn't make a lot of sense, but. It's okay. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, send in an entry for episode 200 if you would like, uh, and then you can win some stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what we're doing for episode 200. Other than that, it's going to be going to be, well, hopefully it'll be a good episode, but we're going to have a regular old episode. It's not going to be a crazy, you know, celebration. Because what are we going to do? Like I said, do sit back and do a best of show. Where, you know that's that's pretty self serving. So, and to be fair, the sh- every show is our no, 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 lie to the audience. Yeah. So, um, all right, what else is going on? Oh, did you see the Speed Freak stuff for the orcs? Yeah, from the previews from the Warhammer Fest over in Germany, mainland Europe. They had a lot of neat stuff. And those new speed freaks, the new, what are they called? War buggies, I think. Yeah. Is what they are. Those models are so dumb. <laughs> it's not even fair how cool those things are. <laughs> it's kind of stupid. It's just like, wow, that's those are really good. And the thing that caught me is that they're on bases. Uh-huh. So I wonder if that's going to be a trend for 40K going forward, maybe. Uh, might be. All I know is they look pretty good. I'm kind of excited. Wouldn't mind seeing more orc stuff. Yeah, especially if it's to that quality. Because the war buggies that they had before, those things are terrible. Like, hard terrible. Yeah. I mean, when they first came out, they were pretty cool. But compared to other stuff that's out now, it's not holding up. Yeah, it just doesn't jive with the aesthetic, and they're old, old models. So, no, good for them. Get them moving. Yep, and then there's the new endless spell that's a bull. Is it a bull diving out of, like, a fire portal or forming out of fire, or is he being consumed? We don't know, but he's pretty cool looking. Yeah, he's pretty angry. Yep. There's a lot of wild speculation about what that thing is, but... See, at first I, I thought Beastmen because it's a big beastie. But then everyone's like, dummy, it's Chaos Dwarves. And I'm like, but they're all on the Forge World site. Like, what is, why would, what? This, 
you know, unless unless the chaos dwarves are getting a revamp, and that would be bananas. But I'm not holding my breath on that one. Well, they just did. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, you know, with the GHB 2018, they got an update on the Forge World. They got their own allegiance abilities and everything. I'm talking about new models or new anything because oh, I'm saying oh, this oh. is on the GW side, not the Forge World side. Would GW sure. suddenly be releasing? You know, why would GW suddenly be releasing Chaos Dwarves when they've got all that stuff at Forge World? Unless they're mm-hmm. purging it to move it over to the and just keep 40k and 30k on the Forge World. Oh, look at that. Conspiracy Corner, Conspiracy Corner. So I know nothing. I just know that thing looks cool. My first thought was Beastmen, so what do I know? So um, what else? Warhammer Champions. Oh, that's came right. Came out. So that's the new. It's a TCG. Is that the correct vernacular? TCG, CCG. Yeah, it's a CCG, yeah, collectible card game. Yeah. Um, now, what do you think of that? See, now the company got in touch with me through Gen Con, I think, uh, because it's not GW; they're licensed from GW, um, and they sent me to the email that I got the press badge and everything at that I that I sign up through through Gen Con, and I get a lot of emails from companies that are debuting stuff at Gen Con, so. Um. But this one came, and they're like, hey, you know, we'd like you to give it a try. And I said, that's awesome. And so they sent me some stuff. And uh, I played it, and the game's a lot of fun. It's great. In fact, I went out and got some extra booster boxes because I figured, hey, if I would have bought in on this, I would have spent more than this anyway. So might as well help them out since they gave me a good start. Um, Yeah. Collectible card games are such a rabbit hole. They are, and I've been avoiding CCGs for a really long time because there's for me there's no investment into it. Um, Shadespire was the closest I got for a while because but, of what it is, but there's miniatures to it. There's investment and, into it, and it's not really a CCG because it's not so much collectible. Because you know when you buy it, you're getting these exact cards, and everybody has the same cards, and it's not hunting and searching for cards. Yeah, but you want all the cards to make your decks. Is that's what I'm more trying to get at? Is that you want right? All well, that's of the almost cards. like a living card game where they come out with sure. new new stuff. But this is you're getting random cards in the decks. There's 278 something think, like that. Uh, 278 different cards, um, and I have a I have a lot of cards, and I'm still I still don't have them all, and that's yeah. that's that rabbit hole like. I don't. I should have checked before the show because I I packaged all the cards, and it looked like I was short. I think like thirty, but I know that there's some that are in the starter decks that you get. That yeah. that I don't think they come in the in the booster packs. So, like I I know it's less than that, but that's that's still a lot of cards to still come up short, um, and make you want to buy some more later. And I understand, yeah, you got to make money and do that, but uh, oh, that's such a that is such a. That is such a dangerous slope. Yeah, and it is a good game. Um, I did, and we'll, we can just kind of bump into the toolbox a little bit, a little bit. Sure. Um, but I played two games of it over the weekend um, with one of the guys in our area that got the Founders Pack. Oh, cool. So, I mean, I got to try out the Order, which is essentially Stormcast right now, but they also have 
Deepkin in there as kind of like the two mains in the order uh-huh. against his chaos, which was corn and zinch, I think was the combination. Um, and there's a few other things in there. Um, and then I did destruction, which is various oryx and grots versus, uh, death just to see what all the cards look like and what, how the different decks played and everything, which is mostly, um, like grand host and a gosh. So, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of it is artwork that we've had and some of it, like, especially for the destruction was really old art. Yes. Like the cover from the fifth or sixth edition plastic night goblin box is one of the cards. Yep. So it's like, um, okay. Old stuff. That's cool. Getting some use. Always good. If it's a cool picture, it's a cool picture. Yeah, for sure. But uh, the game's fun. I'm probably going to do a Garage Gamer about it. Um, and we've got Big Trouble Garage Gamer lined up, too. But uh, it's it's got some fun mechanics. It's got some neat mechanics. Um, and I would say that once you're playing... And, okay, quick overview without getting too much into the game. You got a 30-card deck. You got four champions, you know, hero-type characters. And each, under each hero is a blessing that you don't know which what it is you you pick them and you make them in your deck but those get randomly shuffled underneath your characters and as you play cards in front of each character you're attacking your opponent like magic you're taking hit points against your opponent but before you do your turns like all your cards they rotate and the cards rotate at the start of each of your turns and that will either slowly they'll wear out and be discarded or they'll do a complete rotation and go away or something like that but your your characters each have Im, uh, symbols in the corner, and when you play a certain a specific type of card or a specific type of action, that will rotate your hero card. And then once your hero card rotates four times, so it rotates all the way around the starting position, it has completed its quest and it gets its blessing, which is kind of a. It's like if you play to the play style, if you play to the 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 way that the character cards that you have would play you'll get bonuses which will help you win the game quicker it's 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 pretty cool like i really enjoyed it i've played a bunch of games with it now and i've just been playing with like starter decks and teaching people and we're still having a blast yeah and it's not got the resource management element like magic has mana or um what was it like I think Pokemon had like something to do with the different elements or whatever. Right here, you just um, get two actions. You just get to, you get two actions, and you just get to do them. And then every turn, at the start of your turn, the cards rotate, and when they rotate, whatever new symbol is in that top left corner is what they will do. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about keeping tokens for mana and keeping all this stuff and wondering what's tapped or untapped. It just plays itself through. It's really fun. Yeah, you're just kind of setting down the gears, and the machine works. So, no, it's a really fun game. It's probably going to get me back into CCGs, not going to lie. But Well, if you get some cards, I will play with you because I have plenty. I'll make a yeah. deck and I will bring it. But, no, I, that, that that's dangerous. Like, mm-hmm. I'm only short a few cards. And I when I go over to Lindsay's to pick stuff up, I have to just tell myself, not no, you're not buying enough. Just grab a couple of. You know, grab a couple of boosters, see if you get lucky. 
No. <laughs> Bad Dave. Bad it's Dave. Exactly. That is exactly what it is. It's bananas. Um, mm-hmm. But that game is, I will say, if you're playing, it's a ton of fun. And I think once they get the app up and running proper, where you can scan your cards. Excuse me, I got you on there. Um, Because you can actually scan your cards on the free app, which will allow you to play those cards in decks in the app uh, against people all over the the world. Which is cool because the guys from Six Squared Studios bought a bunch of it at Gen Con, and I did not. And I'm glad I did not because when I got home, I had stuff waiting for me here. Um, And I didn't know they were going to send me that much. So it was like cool that I got, you know, all the stuff that I would have bought. Um, but that was that was kind of one of the things that sold me was um, we're, they're playing and it's like this game's really fun and they're like yeah and like and we can play against each other even though we live thousands of miles away and it's like oh oh well that's that's yeah mm-hmm. so yeah I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of really into that right now I'm really enjoying it I've been playing it a bunch mm-hmm. so uh, should we move on to the toolbox yeah. Absolutely. And that is brought to us by who? Kazrook Superstar. Kazrook Superstar. Kazrook Superstar. Superstar. So, um, you've been doing some hobbying. I know you've been doing some hobbying because you are a hobby machine. Yeah. Um, so, let's see. I've been working on some more Ishlian guards uh, for my Deepkin uh-huh. as well as uh, some additional characters. I'm trying to get um, all of my nerd life put together in one closet and trying to get as much done as I can before January. So I've got the penumbral spell portal, the mirrors um, on the desk right now. And I should have those done tonight once you and I are finished. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Um, so had that going on. And then we actually hosted a hobby night uh, just over this last weekend and you came out, which was I awesome. Did. I had so much fun, um, and you guys cooked. Carrie Ann made some wonderful, like barbecue pulled chicken. Yeah, we had sandwiches and stuff. It was uh, it was so much fun. Yeah, it was just the big thing is it's like most of the time you're getting together to like play games and do that and the other thing. You don't we don't often do a lot of hobby nights with my local crew, so for us to do one was something we all really enjoyed. So yeah, it was yeah. really cool, and you know, I, I do like we'll do. Skype hobby nights or we'll just do it like on the phone if there's only a couple of us we'll just you know set up like a three-way call or something and and uh chit chat while we're hobbying and that's cool but just being there and seeing what the other people are doing and getting to talk with them and have them all be in the same room is is a lot of fun yeah absolutely like, um, who was who was painting the 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 tree lord oh that was uh dan carlson yeah. he's one of our patreon sponsors yeah 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 I was just blanking on the name because it's it's been a long it's been a long day. Um, yes, but you know, like he was painted and he needed some ideas for different things, and it, it was like everyone around the table is like, "All right, well, are you, have you tried this? Are you gonna try this? Let's do this." And um, we all kind of showed him different things, and then he went with a technique he really liked. And it, when he was done at the end of the night, like his progress made us like, "Wow, this looks really great!" And it's kind of cool when you're right there with people because they can see it in person. Mm-hmm. Give you a suggestion, even sit there and show you how to how to do things if if needs be. Yeah, and that's just something that we haven't done a lot of as a group out here. So I think that's something that we're definitely going to be implementing more 
especially going forward. So I think we made some headway in there as far as like working on growing the community and getting stuff done. So I had a really good time and I got to see your little thing with the making up the bases for the. Yeah. The uh, Holy Hammer Hearn special with regards to the uh, liquid text for the uh, basing for the uh, endless spells. I posted a couple pictures on the garage hammer Facebook page. Uh, when we talked about it for the first time and there were some fans that wanted to he- see them. So I posted a few and then I brought out the ones I had done. And yeah, it's nice. It's quick. It's simple. Um, so it's that Liquitex type heavy gloss gel. So now that, good that product. All good looked, product. Yeah, it all looked really nice. I was really impressed. So Yeah. Um, but then you came and you you did something. I I did. I was I I had I was working on Nagash, so I brought him with, and um, I finished him. Yes, I I, I like legit. Fin- now, here's the thing: he came on a square base because I bought him when he came out, and I called up Lindsay's and said, "Hey, get me a 120 mil round base," because that's what he goes on now. But apparently, that stuff is like only on like the direct order. Yeah, like it's not your normal order stuff. So. I haven't gotten my base yet. Yet. Uh yet. But I like I finished him and I I actually put all the sub assemblies together there at your house and got mm-hmm. to see him all put together for the first time. And uh you had the Sigma Micron pen. Yeah. And so I was able to do the lettering and the wording in the book. Mm-hmm. And uh it's uh he's done. He's Yeah. And I, I got to say, he looks pretty good. And I, Yeah, I, he looks pretty all right. That armor, how you did the edging on it is, I think that's the best part of him, is the edging on that armor. You, really? Wow, thank you. Yeah, it's well done and it definitely pops. I mean, the ghosts are, they're ghosts. Right. But the edging on that armor makes him pop. And no, that was, well, that was the you. thing I was the most impressed with was that edging. Uh, honestly, I just I just followed the Warhammer TV, the Duncan video. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, I mean, I gotta say, I learned so much about different techniques. Just and they ha- you know, just doing it. It was so. It was really. It was actually really fun to do. It took a long time, and there were times when I was getting irritated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once it was all put together, you're like, wow. And then you don't realize how important it is to do those sub-assemblies. And then I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, and it doesn't even have a base. I'm kind of flipping it over and flipping it around. And you look like underneath the, you know, the his his the, the cape or the, the skirt. And you can kind of, if you tilt it just a certain way, you can see his legs in there. And they're all done, and they're all done perfect. Which, if you had to put them all together... You, you couldn't do that. Like, there's no way you could get up there with a brush and do that type of stuff. Um, so now, mm-hmm. now, anytime I'm building anything large, I'm looking at how can I sub-assembly it first and make sure all the parts get get a get a proper doing because I'm just I'm so happy with. Him. I'm looking at him right now, like he's sitting on the table in front of me, waiting for that base to show up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was I was super excited. That was that was something. It's the it's the best model I've ever painted, and I'm not saying that's not brag. That's just being no. Honest. It's it's hard fact. Yeah, like that is because I remember first seeing your dwarves, 
And I mean, they're good, but they're not what you put out with Nagash. No. I mean, my first tour, they, I mean, they were decent for a guy who didn't know how to paint, who was sort of teaching himself, you know. Um, yeah, you look at him now, you're but, like, oof, not so great. But, no, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And then I uh, I got a, I have one of those rollers from... Uh, uh, Green Stuff World. That's it. Thank you. And I had been making little bases for the skeletons. So I did get like an eight ounce container of milliput and I needed it and I put it together and I, I put it on uh, parchment paper and then I fold the parchment paper over it and I kind of roll it that way first. So it's not as flat as it will be when I roll the, the, it's thick enough that the green stuff world roller will still make an impression, mm-hmm. but it's kind of rolled out and then it's not sticking. Then I powder it like with baby powder because otherwise that milliput gets all into the Green Stuff World roller, and it ruined, it just you can't get it out. Yeah. But then I did that, and I rolled it out, and then I'm like, well. So I grabbed a, an old crummy CD, which happens to be 120 millimeter. CDs are 120 mil. And I laid that on top and took an X-Acto and cut it out. So he's got a base, actually, right now. Um, he's just waiting for the legit real base to put that on top of. Mm-hmm. Because it's milliput, and I don't want it cracking or getting messed up, but. So I'm doing custom bases with this army and everything. Like um, this is, I'm trying to make something that's going to be really worth looking at. I'm going to redo all my skeletons and stuff so that uh, they all are. Everything in this army is going to match his color scheme. Good, good. So super excited. I was very happy with that. And you you built the the purple sun. And you didn't, I did. You didn't even bleed. No, no, I didn't. I got lucky. Um, I definitely feel like I was an exception to the rule because every post I've seen on Twitter about people putting that thing together is like, yep, this is awful. And I mean, it wasn't the most enjoyable model I've ever put together, but it was not as bad as I was expecting. Yeah, but it well, it was pretty rough putting that thing together. Mine didn't even come together perfectly. Um. I mean, there's like there was a little tiny, like not quite perfect lineup on the, some of the parts as they're going around. There. I'm like, oh god. Yeah, I mean, mine isn't perfect, but I mean, of all the spells in that box, that is the one I will probably use the least. That's so, the kicker, ain't it? It is. Oh, so annoying. Yeah, so I mean, I'll paint it up because I want to have all of the spells, so so I can try them out with various things. But of all of them. The sun is probably the lowest on my list to use. Yeah, I hear that. So, so um, you get any gaming in? Um, well, I mean, the champions, and then um, earlier that day I had played a game I hadn't heard of before called Asgard. Oh, I heard about um, that game. Yeah, it's an interesting game um, where you're basically trying to appease the Norse gods by trying to do various things. Mm-hmm. Um it was a really fun board game. I really enjoyed that. Um, and then afterwards, we had played a game. After you had left, we played a game called like Celestria or something like that. Okay. And it's essentially calling somebody's bluff on a airship. Okay. Yeah. So essentially, like you're you're a whole. It's like pseudo steampunky. Um, but you're moving up this board trying to get to these different cloud cities. Okay. And we'll talk about that later. But it's like 
you encounter rougher and rougher challenges and you have to decide when you're going to jump off the ship. And the sooner you jump off, the less points you get. So the longer you stay on the boat, the more points you get. But if the boat crashes, you don't get anything. <laughs> oh, no. So there's it's like a bet heavy to win heavy. And how much faith do you have in people's hand size or whatever? Because it's all random. Like there's four different obstacles you could run into. Huh. So it's actually a lot of like it was a more fun game than I thought it was going to be once you got going. Cool. It sounds like fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I played some champions. I played a bunch of champions actually. Um, and then I played some board games. I did want to mention this board game, and I I I got an email about it from one of these groups that I got signed up with, and. They say you could buy it. It was pre-order at Target. Now it's buy it now at Target. And as soon as I went in there to buy it, it was like it's all sold out. So I'm very irritated. But there's a game. It's called. It's by Big G Games or Big G Creative. And Big mm. G is like you know General Mills. Yeah. This called. It's called Monster Crunch, the breakfast battle game. And it's for like nine and up, and the games take like twenty five minutes. But I was looking at this, and I was talking with my daughter, and I'm like, "We got to get this." You literally start off with a cereal bowl in front of you, like it's just like a, a token that looks like a cereal bowl, and you each get one of the cereals. You're either blueberry, Frankenberry, fruity yummy mummy, fruit brute, or Count Chocula, and in the middle are all these little milk carton tokens, and the object of the game is to eat the most cereal. Like, you have the different cards that show how much, like, there's a number on it, and you want to get the highest number you can that you ate the most cereal. And that's, like, the whole game. And I'm like, I got to get this. I'm like, I need this game, and I need it now. And I can't get it because it's, like, like, oh, you can't can't get it because (laughs) they can't get it. I'm like, oh, come on. Because it's, like, all sold out already. And that makes me sad because I wanted the game. Mm-hmm. And it's not expensive. So it's like I still want the game. So. Yeah, there was another game I had seen the guys playing. And I forget the name of it now. But it's like you're playing as a bunch of stuffed animals trying to defend your little girl against the monsters under her bed. Oh, that's that sounds kind of cute. And the miniatures are great. Um, they're not pre-painted or anything, um, but there's like different little nightmares and everything like that. And I didn't even know how the game played, but it was just adorable. It's a co-op game sort of thing. So I'll have to look that up, but it was just adorable. And I just wanted to paint the little toys, but it's okay. Yeah. Uh, like I said, this, are you looking on it's already, it can't, uh, can't you know you go for delivery and it's like out of stock already it's like it just came out like it just came up for pre-order like two days before it came out and it's already gone and then we said a pickup in store there's no store within like 50 miles that you could pick it up at i'm like uh Mm. but uh that's that Uh, just like i said we were playing some board games harrison and christopher have been off playing uh what is that? Shit. Um, Twilight Imperium? No, we haven't played Twilight Imperium yet because Harrison had to work. Harrison, Good. What's that game you were playing? Netrunner. They've been playing Netrunner. Oh. Because Chris pulled out his old Netrunner, and Harrison was like, I like this. And so 
I was over at your house and Harrison was at Chris's house playing Netrunner. Hmm. So uh, I guess that's it. I don't have any other, really. I, I haven't listened to a new book at all because I've been trying to catch up on podcasts. Um, I haven't... Wow, I haven't even... No, that's it. I got nothing. You got anything? Um. So... This sounds like a yes. Yeah, I finished reading Soul Wars. Uh-huh. Uh, which is a right excellent book, if you've not read it. And I started into Callus and Toll, the yeah uh, witch hunter book. That's another one. It's similar to it was based off the City of Secrets characters. Um, so I'm into that now. And geez, I'm trying to think what else I've been up to. It's really been about it. Um, but I do want to throw a shout out before we get on to the main topic. Uh, Heel and Hammer. Oh yeah, uh, has announced their retirement from the podcast game. Like hard stop, they're done. Um, I mean, these guys have been going for ten years. Ten years. Yep. I would definitely say they've earned their tenure. Um, but it was just like, okay, and knowing Dan and Wayne, uh, the way I do, and then obviously like guys like Brian the Hobby Killer, um, and a few other people like. You know, and yeah. they've done a lot of great work for this community. They're definitely one of the biggest inspirations, I think, for people getting into the podcast game was Dan and Wayne. Yeah. I mean, so. I was, yeah, I was listening to what? Basically, it was Podhammer, and then I got those guys in Bad Dice I heard of, you know? Yeah. That's what kind of made you made us want to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, big thanks to those guys for doing everything that they did for all these years, um, even with the little breaks and everything. But, no, enjoy the retirement, guys. You guys put in a hell of a lot of work, and we really appreciate everything you did. Yeah, no. Uh, it was, it was. I mean, it was sad to hear that they were that they were going off the air. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, they, we had, we, I remember Chris and I had them on at, the, like, early on in the show, uh, and we, we, we just thought that was like the greatest thing ever. It's like, this is a coup. We've got them. We're like the first American podcast, I think, to have them on. And <clears throat> it was, it was really cool. Um, hopefully now this will free them up to do a little more, you know, they can play the games and do stuff like that though. Stuff that they hadn't been able to do as much before. So. Yeah. And I know things with like Dan's business have been going absolutely mental and he's been, it's just been, it's so much to do a podcast cause it's almost like a part-time job. That you don't really get paid for. Oh um, no! Yeah, no kidding. So, Unless you got all those wonderful patrons that make up the one percent. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those. It's a part-time job that you invest into, unless you have the Patreon support, and we do certainly appreciate it. But oh, yeah, it is a lot to do, and I don't think a lot of. I think some people just don't appreciate how much work it is until you try to do it. So, but yeah. no, those guys put in the work and. Yeah, I'm just taking all your army time and your gaming time and add in however long it takes to read everything and then take notes on those things and then sit down and do this. And then it's going to take a couple hours to get it ready for ready for distribution. Yeah. There is a lot that goes on to yeah. the podcast besides listening to the two of us ramble for five hours about a book. Yeah. So, but it's all good. So, yeah, best yeah, to them. That's, 
yeah, that's my little shout out for them. And yeah, I think we're good with the toolbox and the news network. I think yep. we've got everything sorted. I agree. Why don't we take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about how much we love the narrative. Absolutely. Loving it. All right, we'll be back. Okay, listeners, what's the number one rule of hobby gaming? Okay, well, the number one rule of hobby gaming is don't buy more models than you can paint, but we all break that rule constantly. So what's the real number one rule of hobby gaming? Support your friendly local gaming store. And my friendly local gaming store is Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. No, not that Wakanda. And no, not that Lindsay. So why Lindsay's Gamer Garrison? What do they have to offer? First, they carry everything Games Workshop. 40K, AOS, Blood Bowl, Necromunda, Kill Team, all the paint line. They even have Black Library books. They offer special discounts every day. And if you do go in there and there's something out of stock, special order discounts that you won't believe. After you buy all your models, feel free to stay and paint them at their fully stocked, totally free to use painting station. And then, once your army's ready, sign up for one of Lindsay's monthly tournaments. That's right, they have a local one-day event every single month, alternating between 40K and AOS. And that's still not all. Monday is Build and Paint Day. Come in on Monday, work on your latest project, you get a raffle ticket. Come in and play Warhammer on Saturday, get a raffle ticket. Now, what's the raffle? Every month, two winners receive a $50 gift card to use on GW products just for coming in and playing and painting and being part of the community. And that's not even all you get for coming in and being a part of the community. Come in for that Saturday gaming where you get a raffle ticket. You also earn a Lindsay's Gamer token. And when you have eight tokens, you can turn them in and get free entry into one of the tournaments that I just mentioned earlier. And that's why I love Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. Fully stocked with all the GW product you could want, and they're doing their best to reward you for being part of the gaming community. What more could you ask for? A place to play, a place to build, a place to paint, a place to hang out, and a place that rewards you for being there. Folks, if you're looking for one place that will satisfy all your hobby needs, you have to come and see Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. And we are back. We're back. Talking about loving that narrative. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, dude, narrative gaming. We haven't talked about anything other than matched play and, and, and the battle tomes for a while. Yeah, that's been a lot of it. So this is going to be a nice break, I think, just to talk about like the cool stuff that gets you excited yeah. about gaming and whatnot. Yeah, and uh, you don't have a lot of time for narrative gaming because you're, well, you, you're a playtester on top of it, but you're always putting together the match. You, you're all about the matched play. Yeah, I mean, that is my primary focus, but I still 
have some want to do narrative gaming. Yeah. It's just a matter of trying to get it on the terms that I want. And I'm, I'll fully admit, like I can write a match play scenario and do fairly well with it. Doing a narrative scenario takes a completely different mindset that I don't have the best of. So, well, when I'm working on mine, and uh, you know the stuff I'm gonna we're gonna talk about in a little bit, I don't have a hundred percent fleshed out, but I do love doing it. Now, like I said. Now, some of my favorite, like, just Warhammer Fantasy memories were, like, Mighty Empires when we'd get those games together. And I would help run them, and then I would take the different victories in the battles, and we'd make little stories on them. We had, uh, you know, I would email everybody out and tell them the updates, and I would try to make it, weave it into a story rather than just all their battles. And I love the idea that lots of different games of Warhammer can be interlinked into some sort of a story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, before AOS dropped, I spent a good. I remember, like starting, it was late in the summer, and uh, we were on vacation actually, and I had some of my Warhammer books with me, and I started looking at the Mighty Empires campaign that we had, that we had done, like the last one we had done, and I'm like, I wonder if I could start adding in things where we could have, you know units level up and stuff like that like make it a little more go back to my rpg days and start you know earning experience and and leveling up things and and uh dude, i sat for hours and hours and came up with a whole system like you know uh you know you get you get these guys you get to nominate them you get a random roll on the chart if you already have that you can roll again and guys would get different abilities and you know as you go through um I remember even saying that, yeah, they got these bonuses. So if we're playing in for points, that for each bonus they got, they were they were worth 10% more than their original cost. You know, and I, I sit in there playing with all that stuff. And I'm sitting there, I'm putting all this together, and then we get news AOS is coming. And everyone's like, well, let's hold off because we don't want to get into the middle of a campaign and then have the game change. And then AOS dropped, and my work was basically totally incompatible. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. Uh, it's just that I love coming up with these sort of, you know, like writing in some of your own little rules and your own little ideas and your own little scenarios. Um, I was cleaning up down here in the crypt and I found, as I was cleaning up, I moving stuff around and there was my Mighty Empires kits. And I was like, oh, that started to make me think of this. And that's when I was texting, like, how about we do something like this? And you're like, what? And I'm like, it might be a nice break from all the other stuff. Um, then I thought, you know, hey, there was that Firestorm campaign that we actually did absolutely zero with, even though I liked all the pieces and the components and the ideas. We never really got off the ground with that. So I'm like, hmm, maybe we could come up with something on our own, you know, and that kind of <clears> inspired <throat> me. And I've sort of been uh, hashing out sort of a, a three-game, little three-game narrative story uh, campaign going. Um, yeah, and so that's what I've been doing. And now you you started on something too. What what did you what have you come up with? You were putting together so something. my narrative experience has not been the best, okay. regardless. But one of my favorite memories, and actually, well, kind of this is kind of linking to all this. So the game that we were talking about earlier, where you're on the boat and you're trying to go to the further places, 
that kind of got my head wrapping around that. And then the beast run battle plan from one of the uh, Realm Gate Wars books, the big one with the battle plans in it. Right. And everything where you have to go down this canyon and there's gargants and everything coming out at you. Between that, the game, and then when I was first getting into this hobby, I was a uh, bunker rat at the Chicago Battle Bunker. And they did events there, and this was with the release of, I believe it was Orc Slayer, one of the Godric and Felix books. Okay. And they put together a little like challenge called the path of go track, I think is what they had called it. And essentially you're leveling up a slayer as you face bigger and bigger monsters that right. you would have had to fight as a slayer to eventually achieve what like Gotrek got to. So you started with like killing a single troll, um, but then you fought a giant or you fought a whole nest of squigs or a dragon or, and it ended with a bloodthirster. I think is what the final outcome was. It was more like a challenge versus a narrative gaming type thing. And I thought, okay, how could I take that into AOS? And then there's a book, um, Overlords of the Iron Dragon by C.L. Warner. Right. um, Where this little sky fleet of Caradron Overlords is essentially going down a canyon run and they have to fight off of all things, like a bunch of manicores that try to attack their ships out in the middle of the air <laughs> and eventually like Zinch Arcanite troops. And it's like that merge that all together. And what I had thought about doing is more like a narrative event challenge as opposed to like campaigny type stuff. Huh. So, so how did that work though? Okay, well, I don't know if you wanted to jump to what you had in mind. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so you go ahead. All right. Honestly, I just came up with three different scenarios. And what I was thinking was, I kind of was thinking big because I'm building this. I built Nagash, and I've got all this death stuff. I have a lot of death army, uh, <clears throat> including the stuff I won from Chris Tomlin. I got a lot of army. And one of the things Christopher and I always talked about when he used to play was, you know, just like if you have something that you have a lot, just put it all out on the table and see like what it takes to take it down. And I kind of came up with that as sort of a, a jumping off point. I said, you know, we can do some soul wars with this, like literally do some soul wars. So, um, this, I mean, now th- this may not be a great narrative bit of campaigning for everyone, but I figured mm-hmm. for, for our, my, you know, our group, this is something that we we could definitely try because we have the materials and basically um, it would be played actually in the realm of Shyish and it would uh, use those realm rules and there's it's basically like what we read in Malign Portents the armies realizing something's up and dropping in and coming after and trying to stop Nagash. And uh, so that's kind of what I did with three different uh, scenarios. The first one, you play it out, and depending on how it ends, then you get uh, a couple of different variations in the second scenario. And how, depending on how that ends, that will affect the final 
scenario where you're playing against Nagash, whether you're playing just one army or multiple armies coming in to take him out. Um, I'm not I'm not worried too much about points. I mean, you still point it out and can see where they're at. Mm-hmm. But with Nagash being on the table and with a, a larger army and stuff being summoned, it's still going to, you know, uh, there's. I had a bunch of ideas, and we can we can run through those as well because I'm kind of excited about them. So, um, but do you want to talk about your thing that you were doing first? Uh, sure, I guess. Um, so, in the story, it's essentially an ironclad and two frigates that fly down this beast, this uh, canyon run, and they get assailed. So, what I had thought about doing is you take 8, 10, or 12 feet of table. Um, essentially, what you're going to be trying to do is trying to get either the ironclad or both the frigates off the other end of the table. Okay. So, now the biggest thing that got me about KO ships is not just how squishy they are, but also the guys inside of it cannot shoot. Okay. But when you read all of their background, that's exactly what they're doing is that they're shooting and fighting off the top of the, off the top deck of the ship. So what I thought of is you get between you and either some buddies that are going to captain the other ships, you get an ironclad, two frigates, and then 30 Arcanaut company to, or three units of 10, some Grunstock Thunderers, one ether chemist, one navigator and some endrin riggers or sky wardens, something like that. And you have to move and respond to these randomly generated beasts that pop up. And it's just about how far you can make it and if you can win. So it's more like a narrative event type challenge. So like you would have different spawning points roll to see what comes out of them. Oh, cool. Whether it's a mana core or some enlightened or skyfire or just something. So, so you can kind of combine the aerial battle rules from the GHB with this kind of narrative gaming. And essentially like the big thing is you're trying to get the ships off the other end of the table or make it as far as you can before you get exploded. Okay. So you can use the engine riggers or whatever, the bubble men. It's kind of like you can send them off to either screen out in front of you or to get things before they get to you. But once they're dead, they're dead. So it's a bit of a resource management for your squishy anti-monster uh, troops while the guys on top are still shooting. And you'd set a limit to who can shoot off the top. Um, otherwise, you'd get just – if you got 20-something guys shooting out of – an ironclad in addition to all of its guns that gets a little ridiculous. Yeah. But the thought was you could do something like that set in the realm of beasts. Um, so you have extra monsters running around if you wanted to go there. Um, so I just thought that for me, it was getting loud, getting excited with your buddies and like you can have your buddies play the AI essentially on the, on the monsters well, you're trying to steer these ships, so you get like that challenge built into it. The how do I best screw you up at the same time as I'm trying to help myself? Um, this, that, and the other thing. So, like that for me was one of my favorite memories. Was doing that silly 
dwarf challenge. Yeah. But I think it's something that could be translated into like just a pure fun type challenge. Which is, it is going to be more of a dice rolling mechanic. I'm not going to minimize that, but it's still doing something within a story. And I, don't know, I like that idea where you're doing something more than just running through a series of battles with a couple of your friends. When you're actually getting everybody involved, you do it one day, you get loud, you have a bunch of laughs. And if it's like a harpy dragging down an ironclad for no particular reason, <laughs> that that's the kind of stuff that I like. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things like I don't know if I would ever put together a KO army, but to do something like that might be tempting. Sure. No, it's it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the fun things about this is you can play with things and play in ways that you normally wouldn't, you know? Yeah. And that's I was just trying to think about what I felt was something that was kind of lacking um, or like had a disconnect, as it were. Because, like, you look at the pictures in the KO book where the Arconauts are standing on the deck. They're firing their pistols or whatever. But that doesn't relate to game terms. But in a narrative environment, you can do that. Right. So I just thought that that would be something neat to do because that's exactly what the situation is. It's an ironclad and a couple of frigates and the guys defending the ether gold as they're trying to make it off the table. Yeah, see, that could be really fun, you know, and it gives you an excuse to build and paint something that maybe you don't want to paint a whole army for. Yeah, I mean, granted, if you paint 30 Arconauts, some Thunderers, some Endrin Riggers, and a couple of boats, you've essentially painted an army for Caradron Overlords. Yeah. But it's one of those things that you can do the extra monsters for other armies that you wouldn't normally have painted that you may have wanted to, like Manacores or Chimeras, or you could even, like, go big up with it and do... Terror geists or uh, zombie dragons or unridden maw crushes. You know, like there's a lot of options for the different flying creatures in Age of Sigmar that you can do and all the different flying units. So, ah, it's just a thought. Yeah. And, that, and that's, and that's, it sounds like fun. And that's where you start to sit down and that's when you really start to have fun. We start to really hammer out the rules of what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And start really making it sort of solid and come to come to that you know that fruition of that idea. That sounds like a fun idea, though. And give you an excuse to pull out your Caradron Overlords because Lord knows people aren't playing them that often right now. I think that's going to change, but it's one of those things that like you could even pull a page out of the Paul Wagner playbook and you could do converted versions of like these ships as uh, Grot Sky Pirates where they've mentioned that, or you could do custom troops or custom ships for any number of things, really. Or if you wanted to go with the all pigeon stormcast crew, where it's nothing but prosecutors, knights, zero sand, errants, or nice, uh, venators, and just try to get the whole flock off the table. Like there is a lot of different things you can do. Sure. Mine is a little less uh, flexible. Yeah, but that's okay. But it's one of the things I think it's important to highlight that there's multiple ways to do narrative and open gaming. Right. It's exactly. just a matter of what you like. 
Exactly. And, you know, like all of these have a touch of not really being a match play game, you know, and that's sort of mm-hmm. part of what we're moving away from. Now, with, with me, it's more of a, hey, you know, we've always joked around about how, you know, he's got the, the endless, you know, just the endless minions, the sea of the sea of undead coming at you. How would that play? What if we actually wanted to play that? And that's kind of where I came from. And you could literally do this with any army or any any faction if you sort of pick the right place and the right scenario. Now, like I said, this is still a bit work in progress. Okay, I don't I don't have all the all the technical aspects fill it out, but I wanted to be able to play with Nagash in like all my toys. And so the nice thing about this though is depending on how much you want to play with. I could literally play against two opponents, possibly even three opponents. You know, three would get a little crowded on that side of the board, but you could do that because that's what happens in Malign Portents, you know. Everybody's coming across, and then they run across each other, and they start fighting each other, too. <clears throat> and I thought, well, wait, why don't we, why don't I try to write something that sort of has that concept going with it, where they're going against them. So, um, in, in my first round, I have um, basically, and I'm keeping, and I like to keep these things a little bit sparse when I'm putting them together to yeah. give room for if anyone has a really good idea or if, uh, you know, maybe we're playing it and someone just comes up with something on the spur of the moment, you know? By keeping it this open, almost anyone could use it. They just have to, you know, they can make slight adjustments, but people can still do it. Like for me, we're playing in the land of Shyish. Uh, somebody's playing Death, and somebody else, or somebody's else, uh, are playing non Death coming in here to stop this. So uh, I have this, you know, the, and there was a lot of that talk when you read the stories about, you know, them coming down and having to march across. Huge swaths of the underworld there, of the realm of death. They didn't just like teleport in right next to the Black Pyramid. Sometimes they came quite a bit away and had to make their way through all of these things. And so that was my first concept, is you'll have a board, and on the death side there will be an objective, some sort of a, a, a location, a piece of terrain, preferably an old tower or something like that, but something that the invaders need to get. So you got like your... Your first round, you know, you got like a secure the beachhead type of thing. You're coming in and you got a battle going. Now, what I did with this, which I thought was interesting, uh, or what I was having sort of fun with, was you're going to have a couple of realm gates on the board, and you ha- you have to have a couple of realm gates, and you have to have the the uh, you know the the piece of terrain that they're trying to get to and secure. Uh, rest of the okay. board, spruce up as you like. Now, the attackers, the non-death army, in this first round, they've sort of, you know, they they were they came in where however they got here, they got here from a bit of a distance away. Okay, so they've had to walk over here, and the death army has had some sort some time to sort of prepare. And uh, they're basically it's like these guys are coming. We need this is like the first. String getting or the first uh, you know group that's been sent out to stop them. Mm-hmm. So you're going to start with you've only got the you got the long table edge, but you've only got a six inch deployment zone. Whatever doesn't fit on there is coming in in reserves. Now okay. the rules for coming in in reserves are 
you can bring them in on that six inches of table board once space has opened up. So once they move and the next turn more can come in. Or you can come in through a realm gate. Okay? If you're coming through a realm gate, instead of rolling one for every model, you roll for the unit. And if you roll a one, then you roll for the models. Hmm. So this will give them, you know, this way they could, they have some way to get on the board. Sure. Without having every unit losing lots of stuff. Um, and I was just thinking about that because I know a lot of times people have come through the realm. It's like, oh, why am I going to come through the realm gates? Well, um, the objective is to secure that objective. You have to hold it for two battle rounds in a row. Okay. So got, at the end of the battle round, the attacker has to have that objective for two rounds in a row. Um now, some of the things now a lot of armies can't just come in on lightning bolts, which is why I've got the which is why I've got the uh realm gates there. Uh if your army can come in out of reserves. Okay, if you can if you've got an army that's a billet like Stormcast, um only 25% of the units can come in from like on a just on a lightning bolt anywhere on the board. Okay. Because the point is most of the army has already been marching. You're either coming off from that area that they're coming in from or you're back up coming in through the realm gates. Uh, this just prevents you from taking half of your army and then just lightening them in in the back all around the objective. Sure. Which, yes, the Stormcast might do that, but you can't right now because there's all sorts of storms in the in the land and all sorts of things happening and you just, you're not just dropping everything in. Okay. Um, and it's, it's Like I said, it's pretty simple. You just that's the way you're allowed to come on. Now the attackers completely deploy first, so the uh, they may not all be coming in. They may have guys in reserves. They may be coming in through the realm gates. Um, but the ones who are coming in on the table, you come in on that back table, and, and basically once you can't fit any more of your army within that six inches, then you're done deploying. Um, <clears throat> now. Uh, it's pretty straightforward, pretty simple, and shouldn't be that hard of a necessarily of a battle. I was thinking I would have like a night haunt army or something brought up, something that's uh, not the you know not it's not Nagash coming yet. It's some it's like who would he send out first? Take these guys out, wipe them out. Uh, it could even be flesh eater courts, you know, something like that. If we're playing death, I've got that too, so we could bring that in first. Um, now. You hold now. There, uh, there's not a round limit on this either. You play until things happen. So, okay. um, because you kind of want it to go through. Basically, you know, oh, you got wiped out. Well, that's that's the game. We're done on turn one. So, you, this is the idea that there are armies coming to stop Nagash. So, if stuff gets wiped out. Uh, I'm thinking you could bring it back in on reserve. In fact, one of the things just to keep it from coming back in on reserve too much. Uh, I sort of had this idea of possibly when they come back, they're like minus one to hit because they had to be mm. they, when when they're when they're coming back. It's the land of Shyish, right? It's got all this weird death magic. They're not dying; they're coming back and they're still fighting, you know. But they're coming back and they're not quite right. Um, and this way, if the unit keeps getting wiped out, once it gets wiped out to the point where it would have to come back to hit on uh, on a hit roll of worse than a six, then they don't come back. So that's the way to slow, you, you know, you can't just recycle units over and over and over and over and over and over and over again the whole battle. Um, but when something dies, yes, you can bring it back in as another reserve, but it's not quite as good. And eventually it can it can burn out because it is the land of, once again, it's the realm of death. 
And uh, some of these places will just, you know, we read that. You go into pockets where you just age prematurely or things like that, you know. And mm-hmm. so I thought that's one way to balance things out. Once again, it's still in the rough stages, but I'm sort of having fun with it. Now, before you get to the second battle, uh, and I'm trying to think, uh, and this is one of those things where, I mean, I would totally, like Brandon and I could play out just these scenario, like a scenario a couple of times and see what makes, how things work out, it's more fair. But what I'm thinking is, so if you finish and have held the objective as the attacker for two turns, and mm-hmm. that's done by, like, say, by round four. Then on your next battle, you've gotten through quick enough where you're just facing Manfred and another death army. But you're just, fa- you know, Manfred is, is there. Because, of course, the guy's going to send him out. Go stop this. Now, if it takes you past round four, you're going to get through. They're going to have had more time. So now you've got Manfred and Neferata there. Oh. Uh-huh. See? So depending on how quickly you can get through and take the battle, then it'll tell you how quickly or how many how, how much your opponents were able to get there and stop and, and do something about it. Now, for my second round of battle, and this one's a little bit wonkier, um, and I, it, I'm not 100% certain how it would go uh, as, as far as if it, if it could turn, turn lopsided really quick. But basically, one opponent's going to have a one-foot deployment zone, and one opponent's going to have a two-foot deployment zone. And how we determine that is, um, you know, if you got out quick enough that it's only Manfred, he's not getting there fast enough. You managed to get your troops onto the first half of the board, and he's only on uh, a quarter of the board because he's rushing to to stop you. Um, They can still summon. They can still do all sorts of that stuff, so... Death is going to have a big army that doesn't even necessarily have to be even on points, mm-hmm. you know, because you're we're sort of bringing a lot of stuff in, and there, like I said, there will be a lot of summoning and calling things back from the dead as these games go. Um, the objective is to hold the other person's deployment zone. So you know how you play, you know, control an objective. The deployment mm-hmm. zone itself is the objective. So yeah, so you have to have more models in on their side than they have on yours because you see each other and you're going after them. So it's at the end of the third battle round. Whoever, if someone controls, uh, yeah, basically you have to control your opponent's objective and not have given up yours. So you really have to sort of control everything. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really of getting across that battlefield and and running through them. Which is totally a perfect setup for Manfred and possibly Neferata. You know, they've got, uh, you know, you get Manfred with only a, a regular deployment zone, but a lot of models, he's just going to come in and hit hard. You get him a little bit forward, you got backup. Um, and so the deployment zone, actually, just, it's, it's, you have to take that battlefield because crazy things are happening. <clears throat> and once again, I'm picturing at least games with, you're talking at least 3,000 points worth of undead and then you bring in it you bring in that much from the other army or, or once again if you have multiple armies you could totally play this with stormcast coming in and someone else you know i mean um brandon plays nurgle maybe nurgle's attacking him too because we read that even the chaos gods you know they're like oh no this you're not doing this so then you can bring in and um 
the one thing that I had come up with is if you are not from the same Grand Alliance, mm-hmm. then if when you're coming in, you're within a certain range. And I didn't know if I should do three inches or six inches, but I'm thinking probably a little closer, like three inches. Or if you're not within three inches, because then you'd have been charging for combat. So probably within like four inches or something like that. Um once, maybe like six or something. Yeah, well, maybe six was right then. Six was good. See, thank yeah. So my initial reaction was a good one. So if you get within six inches, you got to roll off to see if you get distracted and you attack the guy on the field near you because you're in, you're not you're, you're not nice to him. No. So yeah, you're both attacking Nagash, and you will generally leave each other alone. But once you get close, you got to roll a die to see. You know, there's there's a fifty fifty chance you're going to attack the guy next to you. So you guys may have sure. a bigger army, but. Little skirmishes will start breaking out all over, keeping you from getting to where you want to go. Did you consider like incorporating some like the triumph and treachery mechanics to it? Um, I, I thought about it. I hadn't, but I still haven't got this all hammered out yet for this scenario. Sure. And then it became all right. Well, if now if we've got a third guy um, and we bring triumph and treachery into it. I, I was I was worried. I was I'm, I was kind of worried. I was already making it too too much. You know, I was going a little too far with yeah. it. And so then if you bring in Triumph and Treachery on top of it. I'm that like, might be. It was just, I didn't know if maybe like there were some elements from Triumph and Treachery that could be incorporated into it. But right, maybe not the whole thing for TNT. Right. And that's it. And that's that's what I got to. I haven't even played TNT in a while. So it's like I'd have to go through those rules and bring them in. And I hadn't done that yet. But yeah, I thought mm-hmm. about it too, and I was like, "Okay, I don't, I don't I'm not going to look that up right now." But I'm glad you brought it up because that, at least the fact that I, I was like, "Oh, it might be too much," but you were thinking about the same thing. So, yeah, it's one of those things that there are rules for like multiplayer games and everything, so we could take inspiration from those things. Right. So that was more what I was getting at. Sure. And I don't mind stealing from other things that they put out. You know, put it together however it's going to put together. If it works, it works, right? Mm-hmm. So now then we get to round three. Okay? Now, um, in this one, um, if the generals survive, the generals who took the field for Nagash in round two... If the game ends and they're still alive, they're going to run back and they are going to help Nagash on the last battle. <clears throat> so suddenly, yes, the objective is to take the deployment zone, like like rush in there and, and run roughshod over them. But if you run too fast yeah. and don't take them out, now you've got Nagash on the table and suddenly you have that Manfred, possibly Neferata on the table too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like suddenly it's like, oh, wait a minute, this is getting, you know, suddenly you've got a lot of these, 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 you know, these Mortarks and Nagash all running around the board with the rest of an army. Um, and this is this is the part where I got to, and now this is kind of where I'm stuck because I want to have this big grand clash. I want to have him summoning stuff and doing crazy things and having monsters all over, but. You'd really. This is the last battle where, even if where your little squad came through in the first two games, this last game you'd have <clears> to be <throat> able to. You'd have to be able to add a lot of stuff to the table. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? It would be it would be a big army. So you you could come in with something larger, 
because if you're running, I mean, this is this is the final, you know, this is the final thing. Can we stop him from getting his little black pyramid thing off? And I know story wise, he got he he got the the spell off and got his thing going. Um, it wasn't perfect, but though. it wasn't perfect, right? And so, can you stop him altogether? Can you make it where it's the imperfect level, or do you fail? And there's your there's your three, you know, the major victory, the minor victory, and the and the and the loss. Uh, depending on which side you're on, you know, of, of how he's going to do this. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to put, I was thinking possibly about putting a round limit on it, you know, to say, mm-hmm. listen, you got to wipe out this percentage of the army or take out the, all the generals. Um, sure. My concern with that is, you know, if someone just shows up with a whole bunch of shooting and says, huh, I will, hey, it's, there's your, there's your narrative. I just, two cannons to the face kills anything yeah well not necessarily anymore but right but you know the, what i mean the idea is there and it's one of those things i think with narrative gaming you do have to have a bit of a red pen mentality where right. you have to like look at the list and say yeah that's not copacetic for what we're trying to do right and this is where especially at the end i think um you know nagash is summoning creatures and you've got your little grave markers coming up you've got things running in um, one of the things that we had done it in a previous sort of uh, campaign thing when we got to the final couple of rounds, and we had a, it was something I had run before. We had multiple people playing, and in the final rounds, you had it wound up not just being a final two, but like a final three or four. And depending on how well they did, um, so you know those first couple of battles you played, if you rush through them, you get a benefit to the next game. But and this was kind of what I thought would help determine the size of, of Nagash's army is if you just rush through and don't kill off all those Night Haunt and just take the objective, that's great. But the Night Haunt you didn't kill, they get, they're on the battlefield. Oh. They, they start showing up as reserves. They show up later. Like, they catch up to you. So if you don't wipe them out, at least, or wipe out a lot of them, if you're just rushing to get to Nagash, the guys you blew past at 90 miles an hour... Are eventually going to catch up and, and join the fight, and this so is going to be outnumbered even more. Yeah, so maybe you've got a big Nagash army, and you come in with your big your big army of whoever's fighting. Like I said, I mean, maybe you're bringing. I mean, we got Nurgle coming in here. We got Skaven guys coming in. Whoever's playing, whatever. But if you blew through those first couple of levels, then suddenly start a turn two, they start coming in behind you. Hmm. You know, and that's when Manfred and, and Neferata have survived, and the stuff you left behind with them, you know, it's grab the, it's it's grab a whole place. If you just got a lot of models, you could just be like, okay, we all push forward and we win, and we just push through them all through sheer force of will and get to him. Are you sure you don't want to at least try and get some guys in there and, and balance it out a bit and get a little fighting in before you go through? Suddenly, and these are like the things that I like to think of when I'm putting these things together. You know, then it's not just, you know, in, there could be a couple of different victory conditions or partial conditions. Um, I was flipping through the Malign Sorcery book and through some of the other books looking at those battle plans. And a lot of times you get, oh, uh, everybody on the battlefield gets this spell because something's happening. I haven't gone that wonky and, and tried to add in those things yet. But I certainly could if I could get this thing this to seemingly work. Yeah. 
And I mean, granted, this entire this particular narrative I'm writing is very selfish because it's me. I get to play with my undead army, and I'm literally setting up a scenario where we're in my home turf, and people are trying to kill me. But that could be really fun. Listen, you get to bring a lot of stuff. A lot of it'll keep coming back because you're the Landishai-ish, and you just see how long it takes you to wipe this out. You know, can you do it? <clears throat> and without playing with a turn limit, you know, like that per se. You know, I you could even go with this, you know, like I said, talking about trying to get to it before Nagash's final um you know, final spell goes off, the final effect. Um you know, get into those extra rounds and then it's like, like that you know, roll the dice you know like they used to do for the forty K where you'd roll the dice and see if the game ended yet, and if not it keeps going. Like the random game length. You can do a random game length, or you could just literally set it in stone and be like, Look, this is how many turns there are. Um, and you can set it more than five, but you're like, look, this is ticking down. There might th- be things that uh, that can make the turn the turn rounds cut down quicker. And uh, this is something that I kind of got from when I was playing uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Mm. Because in Big Trouble in Little China, they've got the little tracks that you go on, and in in the game. Um, your characters can get killed, but if your characters get killed, that's not a lot of fun in the game because there's only like four characters against all these other models. So what happens is if your character gets reduced to zero hit points and would die, he resets back up to ten, but you move the the token one space farther along the track. And the token's already moving on its own, so if you die, suddenly it's like, oh crap, it just moved ahead again. So where every round the token's moving on its own, you dying off or you you taking a major hit can move the token forward even faster. Or you take out some of these other things and maybe so this is this is the part that I'm working on and trying to hammer out for this last scenario is mm-hmm. how do I make this exciting and make it come up to something? Um because I, I you know, this is the part where you want this beat to be a big epic battle. Uh, but you want stakes to be in it. It's not just keep fighting till everybody's dead. Just keep fighting till everybody's dead has not been the best sort of scenario for Age of Sigmar. It was, yeah, it was, it was great in Eighth Edition. I mean, that's basically what we played: line them up across the field and charge each other, and whoever wipes out the other guy is the big wiener. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't translate as well into this game so that's like I want to avoid that but I still want to have stakes in it and so this is where this is kind of where I'm at right now with this no that's a it's a well thought out and really good base to something Mm -hmm. I think it's obviously going to require a lot of like ironing out to do it on a grand scale or something but it's something that you could even adjust as you're playing so you've built in a lot of flexibility to it already. You have to. Yeah. If, if when you're playing with these narrative stories, if something suddenly goes flip side uh, or something gets really just one – not flip, lopsided, one-sided, okay, what do we do? Like, you know, that could really just – I there are – I know there's things I'm not seeing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you, don't and you want, can't predict everything right. until you get there. Right, so you have to be able to have fun with it. But like, I was talking with Brandon about this, and Brandon's like, "I'm in." He's like, "I'll play that." And he's like, "Who cares?" Like, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, even Christopher's like, "Look, if you want me to play it, to give it a shot, especially if I can be on the side where there's other people, so 
because he doesn't play. He's only played like three games of AOS, you know. And he's like, you know, someone who's sitting on my side who can kind of coach me through it a bit, and so that we, you know, we can do better. He's like, yeah, be a part of a team. I'll play that. So, you know, if we can hammer this out, I think this might be something fun to. I'd really like to give one of these sort of narrative things a try. And I mean, and okay, you know what? Can we? I, there's one last bit of topic I wanted to talk about in this, and so um, let's just let me. You know what? Let's take a quick break because we need to take a break. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're going to take a fast break and come back, and then we'll talk about some of the concerns and some of the ideas uh, I had for variations on this, and then uh, and then we'll wrap up the show. Sounds good. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back. We're talking back. more about some narrative gaming. Yes, yes. So, um, you know, once you've got people who are willing to do this, and like you said, you have to be willing to be flexible to make changes in case you lose it, like you lose the thread or it's going too wonky. Um, one of the things that I'm thinking with this is, yeah, I set it in the realm of Shyish, and I set it up with my Death Army. But you could still use some of the scenarios and the ideas, and you could put this in any realm with anybody. In you know what I'm saying? You can once you have the the basic scenario set, you can be like, pick the realm, but the defender's realm is the realm. <clears throat> you know, this could work for anything. You could have this be. Uh, well, I mean, chaos. It might be a little hard because you can't be in the realm of chaos. That doesn't really work. But you could you could be you know moving into the realm or or hey chaos has really taken over a huge I mean remember the realm gate wars chaos is control of a huge section of Akshi yeah so they're the defender and they're going to play it in Akshi you know and then okay so all all the scenarios take place here because they're the defender and that's how this is going to go and you're going to see who's going to come come at them um, and then you just start mixing up what type of characters are going to be you know who where you're going to get your little bonuses. Uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of plug and play that goes with this. I mean, there's honestly, there's only so many scenarios you could play out. It's it's a it's a it's a tabletop war game. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, <laughs> it's going to come down to my guys got to beat your guys. 
but it, it the the variation, the choosing of the different tweaks. Uh, and like you said, I've got I've got a nice base here. Um, it doesn't have to be in Shia's. It doesn't have to be against um, uh, against a Death Army. It could be almost anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, think about how much fun it would be to have one of your crazy Grot armies, or like you brought up <laughs> Paul Wagner, the Spider Fang, defending against. You know, they've just decided they've locked off. You know what? We're we're in, they're in Gur just like the rest of the Greenskins, and they've locked off a position. And in Gur, you could have a lot of fun because first of all, the Realm Wars, everybody gets extra monsters running around randomly, and then you could totally make that a monster fest. Just give them, you know, they have herded they, and they've and they've fed a lot of uh, a lot of mushrooms to a bunch of these monsters, and now they're setting them loose. Mm-hmm. Imagine you get to run up with a with a big clan of uh, of uh, uh, you know Moon Clan uh, uh, Grots come running up, and instead of unleashing fanatics, they get close enough and they 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 drop a, a fungus bomb, and it attracts some giant monster comes in out of nowhere. It's possible, floor. yeah. I mean, do you see I what I'm saying? Though, yeah. I mean, find someone who's got a big army. With uh, that would just love to play out one of their insane scenarios. They're just crazy, over the top, and then be like, and then you get to bring in your stuff, uh, but you got to give them chances to bring in extras or bring in reserves or bring in whatever. Like I said, I I was playing in the realm of death, so I'm just like, oh, reincarnate these guys, but they're coming back, you know. Or or if it's the stormcast we're attacking, listen, we're reforging them really fast. They're coming back a little shaky. So they're a minus one, maybe mm. a hit, or a minus one to your save. You know, it's some mechanic where as you keep bringing things back to keep the game going, in case it starts to get lopsided. Oh, look! They wiped out a lot of stuff. Oh, look! And here come the reserves. It's it's a it's sort of a quick fix. Uh, I used to do it when Brandon came over with Mikey, and they would play, and they were first learning to play. They had armies, and this is still before we had points, and we were trying to think it was kind of balanced. And then suddenly it started to get lopsided, and I'm like, guess what? Here comes in some reserves, and I would just pick up one of their units and put it back on the table. And they're like, what? I'm like, just shut up and play. <laughs> um, and it's the beauty of narrative gaming. Um, you know, it's it's. I mean, I'm not worried about the points. I mean, it might be nice to set up some points when you're coming in, at least for if you're having multiple attackers, okay, guys, each, you know, why don't you each take about two grand or 2,500 or whatever. We're making this big battle, but we need room for everybody to be able on the table. But the points are not a hundred percent necessary. If you, if you really want to play it this way. Um, so I don't know. I just, I, I love Chris, you and I did this. We did it on the show. He picked a bunch of scenarios from the book, and we played them and strung them together, and and determined what would happen because you know from what was left in the last battle and where we would be. Uh, I just I love it. I don't know um, if I could hammer this out and get it going and get my army you know painted. I would love to try this out over like Christmas break. Yeah. Now I know you'll be busy. But, eh, uh, we'll see. Hey, if you could find a day, We're trying to get, yeah, it might be cool. You know, get a big table. Maybe the last game is played on more than a six by four because we got all this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that could be cool. 
that could be, be cool, yeah. That could be really good. I've got a realm of battle board. I don't need to necessarily get a couple extra pieces, but we could, you know, even we could just connect part of that up to you know roll out uh, the you know the other board and just sort of connect that. Maybe it's got a, a split level a bit, so you know. But this could be fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is just my ideas, and I'm just trying to throw them out there because um, we used to talk about this stuff all the time, and now we just have battle tomes coming out left and right. And I, I thought it would be fun to get back to some sort of real hobby, just let's play for the love of playing. Um, yeah. I'm not saying I miss not having points, but mm-hmm. that was a really fun, honestly, I mean, it wasn't all, it wasn't all, you know, you know, hot dogs and Hawaiian salad. Um there were times when it it didn't work, and I get that, but I still look at it kind of fondly when it did work, when you could just go and play. It was, mm-hmm. it felt like play. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and I kind of I like that. And when you play in these narrative games, heck, we ran three three um, of the Mighty Empires campaigns at UGG. I played in the first one. I was terrible. I came in dead last. And I said, you know what, though? I like this, and I'll run it. Mm-hmm. And as I was running it, that's when I threw in a I threw in, I, I made a couple extra rules. I said, look, let's try this. And we put this in there. Um, and since I was running it, we literally put in when you got gold and you got stuff. You could, you could use some of your gold always. You know, you could buy extra stuff, or you could use your gold to, uh, in, to, to increase your troops for mm-hmm. a battle. Um, I, we also put a rule: you can put in your gold to influences the the judge, the guy who's running the game. And literally, I had a character that I wrote in who was sort of like this the, this diplomat. And okay. so, if if things got heated and you really needed, maybe you really needed to get in a challenge on this guy, and you weren't going to be that guy in line, you could throw in a bribe. And only, any bribes given were lost, but only the highest bribe got what he wanted through. So, oh. so I st- so suddenly it becomes well. Do I want to bother, or do I want to go heavy? Do I want to just think that maybe no one else is? And it started adding other levels to Mighty Empires. And then as people were turning in their battle reports, I told them, "I'm like, I need some. I need a couple of turn by turn big moments, and your generals all have to have names because when I sent out the next map, there was there was a story with it." Mm-hmm. This is what's been happening. These things have been going on. People are accusing them of this, that, and the other. And it's that's and that goes back to when I played, you know, when I role playing games. That takes me back to Vampire, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I love writing these sort of crazy scenarios up. And the, the trick is just to try, you know. And you don't want to sit and just keep practicing it over and over again to make sure that it's balanced because it's not about being balanced. It's just you don't want it to go completely lopsided. Right. So there, instead of having lots of, you may, maybe you pra- try it once or twice if you're worried about something. But other than that, you're just, you got to be ready to, to go with the flow. If stuff starts to twist too quickly, you know, you can even have then roll a die and see what happens. If it's, if the, if the, if it's getting too bad, maybe you have a, an amazing bravery move. Like, like your, uh, like the triumphs that you can take. Right. You know, if it starts to get really lopsided and your opponent's really pounding on you, um, you know, suddenly you get a triumph in your uh, come in because this is your your big heroic action to save yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and you just you have to 
find a game mechanic. It's 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 a bit of a balance between finding a game mechanic to do the thing you want to do, but call giving it a name and giving it a bit of a story behind it so that it feels narrative. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the trick, and I love doing it. And so I thought it would be fun to talk about it. I, I mean, I, we've milked this. We're pretty much done, I think, at this point. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, heck, how fun would it be if we're having your uh, the sky battle with your guys up on the boats? Yeah. Over, that's There's going a lot on? of fun to be had. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. You could literally add that into any game. I mean, they've had it. In, in fact, in the book, they were showing the scenarios where you have the two-level games and you have to kind of move between them. Mm-hmm. So on the, you got this ground battle going on. Meanwhile, you're coming in in your big KO ship starting to shoot stuff. I hope you guys have flyers on the other side because otherwise that guy's going to go right past you. And mm-hmm. suddenly you're bringing up the air battles. I mean, there's so many levels. And it you, you can do it simple. I mean, yeah. heck... We've had a we we've had a narrative campaign where we literally said, let's just pick and this is back in the eighth edition again, let's just pick some scenarios. The, the remember the ones that were in the middle of the book that we never used? Mm-hmm. Let's randomly pick one, play it, and then the winner of that one gets to pick the next one, plus they'll get a little bit of a bonus to their army size because they won. It can be that simple. Or you can sit down and be a maniac like me and really try to plot out and start playing with things and and really throw in something to try to make it epic. And that's up to you, but I guess try it. You know, I still get people who email me who say they really hate the fact that this game has gotten points again. That was the most fun that they had. And their gaming group still doesn't play with really with points. Um, they just sort of bring stuff to play. And and they make it up as they're going along, and you got to have a really special kind of group for that, because even I don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's a very difficult thing to try to do and keep it going effectively, because at some point it then becomes well, you can't play with all your toys unless it's like got something else to it. But if you can make it work as your group, and so the biggest thing about AOS is that you can make the game what you want it to be. Right. And if that's what you want is no points and you're doing your own version of comp or gentleman's agreement, whatever you want to call it, that's fine as long as it works for you. Sure. I mean, and, and they've told me about stuff where they use the open play cards and then um, remember the old scenarios where you would roll the die and it would say what where you would come out and sometimes if you rolled something they didn't come out yet? Mm-hmm. These guys would literally bring their armies up and be like, this is my stuff. And then they would roll. And on certain rolls, those guys don't even get to play. That, those units don't mm-hmm. come in. So it becomes – that there becomes your fog of war for them. It's what – I mean, I, I couldn't get that far into open play. But there, it, this game is still – I mean, you know, the open play and the narrative play sections aren't as big in the book. As, as you know, as compared to the size of the books, as they were, yeah. But they're still there, and there's people who really like them. And I'm all I'm saying is, even if you want to set up points and keep it pretty matched, throwing in a story on top of your game, you got some nice models, you got some nice terrain, and suddenly there's a story, and those are the games you're gonna remember, right? And that's that's. You know that's what I like about this. So that's I, I'm done. I've 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 talked too much about it. 
But uh, if anyone does play or try it or if they take, take some of the stuff that I was just talking about and want to give it a whirl, uh, hey, let me know how it went because that would be that's, – that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I think we're done. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, buddy. A nice quick one. It's a rarity. Well, we'll make it up on the next one, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, episode 200. It's going to be a – it's probably going to be a – be a beauty. So it's so, gonna be something. It's gonna be something. That is true. So um, here, what else? What do we gotta wrap up with? Hey, folks, if you want to leave us an iTunes review or anything like that, I know everybody begs for iTunes review and things. Hey, tell a friend. Whatever. Just get the word out about the show. It's always nice in whatever format you do it to help out the show. We appreciate it. Don't forget to check out After Olinor. Um. We've got the last of the Thousand Sons is up. I'm working on Nemesis right now. Uh, that's on the uh, Free Buddhist Network, and there's lots of great shows there. That is the only place you can hear new episodes of After Eleanor, but there's all sorts of other stuff that gets uh, comes out on there, too. And if you like it, leave them a nice iTunes review as well. It would be very friendly of you. Um, uh, remember to check out the Patreon page. Thanking our uh, associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, our executive producer, Nick Neffliotis, and our newest members, Matthew Scholes and Chris Aldersey. And also, let's remember that Keir Etherton is actually Milo Etherton. His name is Milo. Um, and thank you, seriously, to our patrons. We could not do all this stuff if it wasn't for for what you guys, uh, the 1%. And how awesome they are. We really appreciate it. So, All right, Alex. Um, we will talk off the air and hammer out our details for episode 200. Can you believe it? No. Yeah. It's 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 a lot. Um, there's not a lot of shows that have made it this long. Um, so this is quite the achievement. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's, it's funny because... Honestly, you know, we do this every two weeks. It's like eight and a half years. But then you've got other shows who put out content like weekly. Yeah. So they're like, an, I mean, geez, countercharge, you know, uh, Rob Fanuf. I think they're on like episode 5,000 because like he literally will put out like he'll record stuff all week and then drop like three or four episodes like sometimes in a week. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, I didn't even know he was still recording. Yeah, Countercharge is still doing their thing. So, and good on them. But, uh, yeah, 200. I just, eight and a half years. And it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit at some point. Um, because it was fun. We may, well, hey, if we're doing for episode 200 what I think we're doing, we're not going to have time to talk about that stuff. We're literally going to have to put that in episode 201. Mm-hmm. That's just silly. But. All right, folks. Um, we're going to wrap it up. So until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash if you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer. 
And Alex, that's me, is at some kind of geek 30 Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums. That's tga.community. Or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.